Well, sir, there's no easy way to say this. Um, your wife isn't who she says she is. Let me tell you what I see. I see a woman who outsmarted two kidnappers. Are you okay, ma'am? Never do you mention she is a tiger. She's claiming it never happened. Never what now? She's a wolf in sheep's clothing, that one. It's good to see you again, Mrs. Lyon. That wasn't me. First of all, I recognize you. You were kidnapped. And for the record, that's just reality. With all due respect, we've got our own reality. You can't do... That's not a thing. Casting. I'm your host, Lisa there, everybody. I'm a casting director for film, TV, video games, podcasts, you name it, I cast it. And with me today is my thunder from down under, Deanie Weenie Jelly Beanie. Say hello. Hello. Apparently we're doing British today. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. We've gone back to 76 sitcoms from Britain. What, what, what channel have you been watching? Britain? Oh my God, BritBox, Acorn, PBS Masterpiece, you know me. There is no British show that I won't watch at least for 10 minutes. Hey everybody, it's been a while. It's been a wild couple of months. We're back. We are back, baby. Dean. Mm. Now, Dean, I'm I'm actually really angry at you. (laughs) I'm so pissed off at you. Not unusual what have I done, but just specifically what about this time? So a bit ago, you turned me on to a show called the goal on paramount plus yes and because there was literally nothing else on i started watching it and i became obsessed with this show (laughs) unfortunately it was at that time non-bingeable because it was being dropped like once a week and i was so mad because it was taking forever for me to be able to watch the whole thing and then by the time i finished you'd been long finished with it so we didn't get to recap it But I'm just shouting this out because this is Thanksgiving weekend, and I wanted to give people some recommendations of really great shows to watch over this time. So I think if you haven't watched The Gold, please do. The casting, oh my goodness, is amazing. And I I do want to cover it at some point. That's not what we're here to do today, because there are so many things that I'd love to dig into about the casting and the and the structure of it all it is oh it's just a brilliant chess game it's it's like oceans 11 meets uh oh but there's, a, there's, a, there's a british show from the 70s called the sweeney and it's quite a bit like that okay uh, that was a classic tv show of the era jack regan played by john morse and dennis what's his last name the guy that was in minder uh, it's the show that made him anyway so okay anyway. don't know who that is but anyway but we're not here to talk about that. We are actually not- here because it's the day before Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Australians don't have Thanksgiving. But anyway. We don't, don't get it. The day before Thanksgiving. It's my birthday. So oh, oh. no better. Uh, today. Today. Today is my birthday. birthday. Okay. We're all going to sing happy birthday to Lisa. No, wait, no we're not. Um, but. No better present to give myself than to watch an episode of television. Come on. That's all I care about. 
And we thought it'd be fun since we went bananas of, about Fargo season four, right? We did which, many. Which, by the way, is a pretty controversial position to take because everybody says one was great, two was okay, and then three and four were crap, which I don't understand, neither do you, but there you go. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the other ones, so I don't care. So I only have four to compare itself to, and it was awesome, and I loved it. So I thought it would be fun Mm -hmm. since Fargo season five just dropped. I think it dropped the first two episodes. I thought it'd be fun if we watched it in tandem and Mm -hmm. then talked about it. Now, now, spoiler alert, Dean, I've actually watched the first 10 minutes before you have. Oh, Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, I'm I'm queued up on the credits right now, so it'll be interesting to see. So you're going to watch the first 10 minutes. I'll continue watching it until, let's just say, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and then we'll come back and then we'll share our thoughts. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we will be back and we'll be talking about Fargo Season 5. All right, my love. We are back from watching the first segment of this episode, and what are your thoughts, initial thoughts? I'm excited that we're back to Minnesota. So it's okay. great to hear those accents again from the film and from the first series, I think, as well. And accents, I, uh, accents from actors who are not American, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> How did they sound to your ears? Because it all sounds okay to me, but it's it a very particular accent. It sounds very theatrical, put it that way. But So our story begins in a beautifully lit and shot autumnal I don't know what you mm. call that. It's not quite the Spielberg effect light, but it's this golden toned light. And we're in this a municipal auditorium, which looks like it's having a, what you call it, fall festival committee school board meeting. And it's in full slow motion oh, no. melee. Yeah. So the lighting, you just reminded me, it's a bit luminesque, don't you oh, think? okay. I'm not a I'm not a completist with Baz right. with the Baz, but yeah, yeah, it's just beautifully shot. There's a little bit of texture to the air. It looks a little tiny bit foggy, but it, it's like full. Like all of the adults are just having a full on punch out WWF fight <laughs> brawl, except for two people in the center of the auditorium, which is Juno Temple, who on first glance we see it's a mom. And her young daughter, it looks like a daughter, they're sitting yeah. together just agog and aghast at all of the adults around them are having a full-on punch-out. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know what's going on, but you do because I feel like in America, it's a trope right now that a lot of sort of, whether it's in rural America or whether it's in urban centers, like these meetings, these community meetings, these school board meetings are just turning into food fights of people screaming at each other over who knows what. Um, So that kind of pinged for me just because it's in the Mm -hmm. news so often that people are arguing about every kind of idiotic thing when they should just be. That's an interesting point you make because Australia gets a lot of American news but that must be a, more of a local thing because we don't, uh, that's not on the radar over here. I read three newspapers a day and that's, and they're all quality broadsheets, so to oh, speak. Really? And yeah, I, I've never heard about this. Phenomenon. Well, more in social, maybe it's because I'm on social media, mm. it's where I get a lot of my news. And if you're scrolling, right. you're going to come across some sort of school board meeting where somebody's shouting down. Whatever it is that I, I might be on the side of the person shouting, I don't know, but it feels like <laughs> that. We're having a horrible example to our children that we can't have civic discourse. Even just last week, two people almost got into a fist fight in Congress. I mean, it's it's just like civility is just gone. And so that's how we were starting this series. 
So mm. you see this sort of wide-eyed mom and her child, and then they try to escape and they try to get out of all this. And she gets in a tussle and ends up inadvertently tasing a police officer. So <laughs> she gets arrested and thrown in the back of a police cruiser. And that's when we have this nod to the original film where the police officer is tutting and saying you adults are acting like children Mm. and it's a beautiful day which is a nod back Mm. to Frances McDormand saying that what also is a nod is this there's a Chiron that comes up and says this is a true story now there's anything we know about the original this is not a true story (laughs) it's not a true story but it's a device that they use to give it some kind of gravitas though at this point with just a wink don't you think Mm -hmm. oh yeah totally yeah 100 percent. so juno temple dot is in the back of this police cruiser and she's hauled off to their little jail wherever they are and then she's booked and has to hang out there and then she's apparently bailed out by her husband who we see who I don't think I know this actor, but I really like oh, I him. Yeah, um, I haven't seen him before, I don't think. His name is uh-huh. David Rizdahl. I'm sure yeah. I should know him. But anyway, I don't recognize him right away. But I love, he, again, these performances are theatrical to me. They seem over-the-top Minnesota characters. And he seems like a very kind of docile, kind of a husband, kind of milk toast, kind of... <laughs> awkward when he picks her up and he's hustling her over to the car and says come on we got to get to mom's and all this Hmm. any thoughts about this whole sequence where they're driving in and they're setting up the mom it's mom has all the power we can't miss this dinner with mom it's a very important dinner and she's the one who can bail you out jail it's part of you going to jail mom's not canceling so yeah i thought that you're right the scene was slightly surreal and almost over not uh, overdone is not the right word because that implies a criticism. I like the style of it and I like the fact that we've got another milk toast husband, like you said, again, harking back to some previous episodes. But you already, for me, I'm already getting the sense there's some deep waters in this dot. Like she's got, she took the booking and everything else really cool. And it says, this woman's got a history. This is going to get revealed. Yeah. So they drive up to this massive mansion this kind of sandy colored uh, it's just like a lodge looking house with the christmas tree all lit up we're anticipating the entrance of who is the mom right they've set her up and there's this big marble staircase and down the staircase comes jennifer jason lee making her big entrance now I have a really hard time thinking of Jennifer Jason Lee as a grandma. I know that she's <laughs> in her 60s and I know that she may be a grandma. I don't know. But I immediately was like, huh? I was imagining like, somebody. Hang on, this is the girl from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What the That's hell? Right. That's right. the 80s, baby. <laughs> no, she's been in so many amazing things and I oh, love her as an actress. But she, and... she comes in like the grandam. So I'm imagining somebody more like Holland Taylor or somebody in that vein. So I'm not expecting Jennifer Jason Lee, which is fine, but it's like her accent is so mid-Atlantic Catherine Hepburn. Mm. It, it doesn't sound at all Minnesotan and maybe it's not supposed to, but she just doesn't feel in the same world as they are. And I'm sure that's there's a reason for that. But I don't know. What did you think of that sequence? Oh, she was, I would use the word imperious, arrogant, didn't give a shit about anything but what she wanted, when she wanted it. 
and very snarky, but very intelligent, but not to be fucked with under any circumstances. I think it's a, it's, she set the character up in the first 30 seconds. And then when, yeah. She, yeah. when they get the, when they get the Christmas photograph and the butler claps his hands and the servants bring out the, the AK 47s or the AR 15s or whatever they are. And then they've got their guns on their Christmas thing. I'm just like, okay, that puts the cherry on the top. <laughs> Yeah, it's not exactly subtle that she's this oh. sort of all she cares about is her wealth and her power and she's very snide about why why is the why is Juno Temple's character even on the parent committee to raise funds for the library? Why don't you just Yeah. Yeah, like why don't you just write a check and give money and it's just so very awkward and un I just yeah, so uncomfortable. I, I don't know about Judy. I'm just not into it. I'm not into this. Oh, really? No, I'm not into oh, this. The whole story. thing, you're not into it. So far, I'm like, I don't like any of these people. This is so over the top. This is bashing me over the head with, okay, this is this looks like a very conservative family, a caricature of a very conservative family, mm. the very powerful matriarch who treats everybody around her like shit who also has her own milk toast husband who's just three fingers of scotch deep already into the evening and they're taking christmas photos and it's not even october yet but they need to have this amazing family photo and i'm like okay what okay who who am i caring about in this i don't know what do you think i think it's a slow burn already and i'm happy to just sit back for the ride Okay. So I think, I, I'm curious to see what her, as the story unfolds, what her backstory is. Like what sort of, I suspect that she's leading a double life or she's left one life behind and now she's taken up another. I, I you think mean Juno Tempos, the, the young wife's yeah. character. Yeah, yeah Dot. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dot's got a past and I think it's violent. And okay. I think she's, she's either been, a, she's either murdered people or she was, I don't know. She just, I think she's masquerading Ooh. at the moment. Okay. So, so after this very awkward family dinner, there the, the, the family goes, the little family goes home. Now, my favorite part of this whole show so far are the duvets. These there's the duvets in this bedroom. I love them. They're just I didn't even know. notice. Then yeah. that's, that's you. <laughs> that's me. And and the wallpaper in the little girls' room. Oof. Excellent oh. wallpaper play there. Um so you have Juno Temple and her milk toast husband in bed, and he wants to get it on. What does he call it? He calls it something. Uh, would you like a jump? Yeah, that's, jump? A, that's a that's a British. That's a very British thing. Yeah. Hey, would you like a jump? Is that what he said? Are you sure? Yeah. Oh my um, god. I think so. Yeah. And, and she's no thanks. I've had a long day. I don't think so. And he's, do you mind if I? So if he can't have a jump, he's. Can I watch Blue Bloods? I, I feel yeah, like this is great. I feel like uh, <laughs> millions of couples in America and and beyond uh-huh. can understand this. But, but so, I also like the the reference he's threw in too. She says something like, "I've just come back from prison," and he goes, "I know. It's it's like caged heat." which is a classic 70s exploitation movie about women in prison. Oh, really? I didn't. Oh, yeah. It's also, I mean, it's it's a schlock movie, but might have been made by, I don't know who made it, actually. Maybe Russ Meyer. I don't know. But, yeah, that that is a a classic of the genre. Mm. So I guess this is the issue I'm having, Dean. It's If it were just these two characters, Juno Temple and her milk toast husband, they feel very much of a period, a bygone period, but this is so clearly not in the past. No. Last season, season four, I was so enamored of it's take it's a definitely a period season, season four, and I loved it. And this is very much current modern day, but 
they are feeling out of time. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what to make of it at this point. We're only, you're about 20 minutes in or whatever. I'm 15 minutes in. Anyway, okay, we're going to go to the next section. We will each watch on our own and come back and discuss. Record. Okay, now we're in my territory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now okay. we're getting twisty, baby. Now, now we're getting now we're in it. Now we're in my See, I told you, have faith. I know. I should have listened to you. When last we left off, little Miss Juno, sweet wifey, was falling asleep. Now I thought this was launching into a totally different storyline because we flash into this sort of very western vista, mm. incredibly picturesque guy on a horse riding onto this farm and Golden it's hour. It's yeah, just like a montage of images, and it's the beautiful and talented John Hamm, who looks like he's some kind of patriarch of this family. We don't know who he is. He's riding in on his horse. He's sitting at the head of a table, and just a, we just get a flash of a whole bunch of really weird images, right? And yeah. Then I real when we realize that this is all in the mind of Juno Temple, she's still got her head on her pillow next to her husband, but she's we're flashing into this other world. And I just, oh, this was this text, the texture of this montage. I'm all in. I'm all in. I, this is all I want to. Right? You've been turned around in this moment. And that's all it takes. It just takes a really compelling moment of not feeding me a plot, but making me wonder who yes. are these people and just yeah. the quality. Just I'm just looking at a still of John Hamm at the head of this table and his family around him. Their mm. heads are bowed and the intensity of his face in his closed eyed prayer the way he's gripping the hands of his, who I assume is his wife on one side and his eldest son on the other side. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. It's the physicality of it. I love it. Anyway, so we launch into this next section. Do you want to talk about this next section this morning after the arrest of this? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, mom? It's, it starts out. Yeah. It starts out with a very normal mom. So she's making pancakes, Bisquick. I don't know if you have yeah. Bisquick in, in Australia, but it's like a classic baking mix that you can make biscuits out of it. You can make pancakes out of it. You can make waffles out of it. Biscuits. Right. So she's making pancakes in the morning for her kid. And the dad comes in and he's, oh no, I'm going to take Scotty, the little girl, the daughter to school. So he takes her, he takes the daughter for a donut and leaves. And then the wife is like, okay, zoop de doo And she sits down. And, and, and by the way, did you clock what his job was? He just no. said a sentence. No. He said, Oh, I know. I got to get to work. The new models are coming in. He's a car dealer. So oh, here we go again. It's all connecting. But there you go. It's all connecting back to the original mothership it, it Fargo. Yeah. And so, during when it jumped into this new sequence, it got me wondering. I'd forgotten that retrospectively, when you look at series one, two, three, and four, there are actual connections between all of them. So. As we transition from her baking in the kitchen like something out of the 50s and we get to the scene we're about to talk about, it reminded me of how in series one, two, three, and four of Fargo, it turns out retrospectively that they're all connected. One of the characters that was the kid in season four was actually the 40-year-old in the 1970s. Yeah, one yeah, killers, yeah, yeah. His name was Mike. And then he was the one of the killers from Kansas City. And, and there's all these interconnections. So now, of course... I'm enjoying the show, but I'm also looking at things going, wait a minute, what about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's the Easter egg for sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. what's the Easter egg? So anyway, 
And I noticed that, but that with the, just on the topic of the kid, that they've mentioned Scotty, but the last, I think, four or five times that the mum or the dad referred to her, they've used euphemisms. They've called, that they've said slugger, kiddo, gout, something. So they've used all these little lovey nicknames, not addressing them as Scotty, and I wonder if that's intentional on their behalf. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, I like it. Anyway, take us take us forward. Is she dead? homemaker is sitting down she's watching her morning news program which seems to be like a local news program and and the local newscasters have a regional dialect to me so they sound like they're in place so she's watching and then my favorite fucking moment of the year happens (laughs) where this figure enters the porch in that slow burn walk that what's the guy michael myers from halloween or it's like a it's like classic horror film masked figure starts to walk trudge up the porch Mm. and she's huh and the audience for me it's does she know this is this like a quirky neighbor who comes you don't really know what it is at first but Clearly, very soon, you see the person extract a hammer out of their coat. And you don't know if they're going to bash through the glass or what. The door is unlocked, so they come through. Now, yeah. this the visual of this figure is so interesting to me. So they have a burlap sack over their head with one eye peeking through, which is very upsetting. But yeah. they're dressed impeccably tailored, like they have this kilt that's like from J crew or like something like, I don't know what, or, or from LL bean and like a, a, a cardigan, like it's all put together in a way. And so they enter and are clearly on the hunt mm. for Juno temple, young mom. And she, and I love, this is a great filmmaking. So she's run away and you feel like she's in danger. Like she's vulnerable. Right. And all you can see behind her, she's left her ball of yarn behind her like she's grabbed her knitting unconsciously and run up the stairs and so you can just see the string of yarn tracing her trail which is just fucking genius filming but it's also moving at the time so it's clear on the other end of it right yes yes it's it's alive yeah uh, yeah yeah and and so unlike you when so you got these figures as you say stalking slowly and they're coming to the bottom of the staircase and the yarns winding around and up the staircase and so on and 
because I already suspect that she's not who she looks like. I know. I you tagged that early. You tagged yeah, that. I'm going, she's got them watch. This is classic deception. She's getting them to watch the little ball of yarn rolling, and she's already run around the back of them, and she's going to be in the kitchen and grab a knife and stab one of them or do something. I don't know. I thought that's how it was going to play out, that it right, was going right, to be right. miss. What do they call it? Misdirection. Misdirection. On her part. And, right. and as you say, it's not just one figure that's entered the house. Now another yeah, no, figure comes right through the front door and a little bit more. Ah, I can't. Have, he takes off his mask right away. Like, I can't breathe in this thing. And now, it what, did, that, did that make you think of anything? The actual, yes. The fact that it was burlap. What? What did it well, make you think? It, it made me remember the, the original movie, the Steve Buscemi and Peter, Peter, Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare. Oh, how could I forget? There's the, the, the dynamic between them where one was very stoic. And serious, yep. and the other was like, "Oh my god!" Kind of uh, all yeah, over yeah. the place. It, yeah. it reminded me. I made a note. The two idiots that come into the house remind me of Peter Stormare and Steve Buscemi. Yes. Right? It's it's a, again another little nod, I think. But the fact of the burlap sacks and the guy complaining about it and raising it up, and it's oh, it's too hot and sweaty, and they're homemade. I'm going instantly just jazzed on on Django Unchained, and when oh, in Django. Oh, okay. So there's a classic scene where all these guys from the Ku Klux Klan, they, it's a comedic scene where they go to kill Django and one of the guy's wives has made these burlap face uh-huh. masks and uh-huh. everyone's complaining about how hot they are and they don't right, fit and, don't right. see and whatever. And I'm like, it's got to be something to do with that. But I anyway. So they go up the stairs, just this classic. They go up the stairs, they're looking for her, not in here, not in here. Then they think they've got her trapped. And this is something I, I've seen this trope before, but it was still really effective. They think they have her trapped in the closet or wherever it is, and they pull back the door and she just blasts them with hairspray and a lighter, just creates yeah. like an impromptu flamethrower and like just flames this dude's face off. And then she runs and then there's a classic, she's looking behind her to see if anybody's following her and then has that classic trip yep. and tumbles down yeah, the stairs yep. Yep. yeah 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 uh, I, I actually thought she wasn't going to be i think it was like a shower curtain or a, a, a closet yeah i wasn't sure what it was yeah 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 a little bit of a shower curtain and as the tension's there and the guy's about to rip it open and i'm going she's not going to be there she's outside the door now she's going to come running in so this yeah, is yeah, yeah. i had this figured out but no he rips this thing back and she's just on him with the homemade flamethrower and i'm like oh holy shit okay yeah, Look yeah, out. yeah. So I love these. They have these sort of constant reversals in this fight scene, which is awesome, where they also, they come down the stairs. They think that she's either dead or incapacitated, but no, mama has a surprise for them and she attacks them with an ice skate or whatever, which I guess is appropriate to living in Minnesota. She had an ice skate nearby in the hall. Yeah. But also at the time I thought if she's actually... If I'm right and she's actually got a history of violence and this, that, and the other, but she's masquerading as a mom, yeah. uh, it reminds me of the Long Kiss Goodnight with with yeah, Jenna Davis, where she's she's this little stay-at-home bakey mom and then turns out to be a crazy, <laughs> not crazy, but a badass killer. So there was a bit of that because lots of skates and right. So they, the last, when we leave our heroine, they've got her cornered and one of the thugs says, look, he said to bring her back alive, but he didn't say without her all of her teeth. So we know that somebody has put out a, a kidnap on her or something. So, yeah. yeah. So this is looking up for me now. Now I'm into it. I'm into <laughs> this. I'm, I really love this whole sequence. So when the husband gets home, he calls the police because there's blood and, there's, and something's gone wrong. 
But the same police officer that took her away, the, the female police officer turns up. Yeah. And anyway, at one point, the husband just, he's describing the inside and he says, I throw up in the downstairs bathroom. And he just says, oh, geez, oh, geez. And so this is just this whole classic sort of Fargo thing throughout where you've got these guys that no matter what happens, they would, in Australia, we have a saying, he, he wouldn't say shit if a shark bit him. And it's what these guys are like. No matter what happens, they would not. They'd call it the S word, right? Let alone yeah. the F bomb, the C bomb. It's just so funny. But I'm Love sure people. Anyway, okay, all right. Okay, well, we'll pause here. here. We are okay. So we're back. Wow. Okay, we just watched the rest of the episode, and boy, I was in. Then I think I came out, but I'm in. <laughs> but I have issues. I have issues. What do you think? What do you think? It sounds like you used to be undecided, but now you're not so sure. <laughs> okay. We last left off. Let's just go back for a second. Juno Temple, young mom has been kidnapped. Uh, the police have come. They're like, what the fuck happened here? We don't get it. There's blood. There's burned hair. There's all this stuff. And then we go to her husband going to his mom to report the kidnapping. And the mom is like, yeah. All right. Like nobody is really that concerned. It's almost like it's a corporate kidnapping where. Yeah. No, they don't care. Not, care. A, not a big oh, deal. It is a corporate kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. Reaction- she, says something, she said something about, oh, I've got to pay up money to some tart you knocked up or something like that. And he says, mom, that's my wife you're talking about. And she says, don't be a baby. You're at the big, you're at the grown up table now. And then just dis- and looks away and dismisses him. She is a cold calculating bitch and a great character she's just fantastic i love really her. you do oh yeah i just think what is this character doing here like she's not in the reality of everybody else first of all she's sitting at her desk and behind her is this gigantic picture of the word no it's the word no okay but she's not a real person she's not in the same reality as the rest of the show which is the problem i have why does she assume that there's nothing life and death is not at stake here why is she this just iceberg of a person it just is she's just so obviously a caricature that it's i can't take it seriously where and and of course this whole storyline harkens back to the original movie right the original fargo movie now in that case someone was kidnapped a Mm -hmm. young-ish woman was kidnapped and the father was still a very stoic business person no nonsense was not going to dick around with any kidnapping demands but he was still like a real person right she, she just yeah, comes across he, he, he as was, just he, he was a bit of an automaton like he completely he didn't there was no emotion it was just like he it's like he took it personally that oh you kidnapped my daughter so i'm gonna get you it wasn't like oh my god yeah. my poor daughter. it was none of that yeah, so, sure. which, which, which fitted with who he was but i just thought she's a female version of that and glammed up a bit she looks like a as we've seen from the christmas card like a total right-wing psycho sociopath i'm on board for it okay i i just feel like she just is a sore thumb on this what could be a really clever hand it's anyway so then we try we move on to the cop who's been at the scene of the crime on both crimes the character is indira olmstead another classic 
character name for Fargo. And yeah. it's, it's the actress Richa Garmia. Yeah, she's from the Bay Area, so that's cool. From All right. where, where, where I'm from, but anyway, so this cop, she comes home to her very modest looking house. She has all this mail, all these bills are past due, and she goes into the garage or whatever this rec room is. And oh, I didn't even notice this. And there's her, I guess her husband, played yeah. by the actor Lucas Gage, which I have a story about Lucas Gage. But anyway, oh, let's hear it. So he's like in front of this. What is this called? It's a. Uh, it's called a got like a golf simulator. A golf simulator. So you, yeah. yeah. So, so you he's... Can hit the ball and where it yeah. hits the wall is like as if it was going through in the real air. So right. Lucas Cage, of course, probably best known to most people as Dylan in The White Lotus. So yeah. he was a surfer dude, uh, a bit of a slacker that that worked around. He was one of the servants there that Armand ended up screwing towards the end of the series as Armand's world <laughs> came apart. Right. But anyway. So Lucas has been around for a very long time, even though he's quite young, but he's been around for a long time. And I was just looking through my email. He must have auditioned for me like 10 times. And I really always really thought there was something around that was so compelling. I could just never quite get him cast on any of the shows that I worked on or any of the films that I worked on that I brought and, and any of the video games that I worked on. He came in for me a lot of times. And so to see him now become the it boy, he's the it boy in a lot of ways. He's very yeah. much there's in, in social media. He's an it boy for other reasons, but he's so cool and talented. So I'm so happy to see that he burst through with the show you. And then, of course, with White Lotus, a very infamous scene in white lotus oh yes <laughs> but, but so now when you cast somebody like this he has to have a bigger role than what it looks like here it looks like he might be just a tertiary character here where he's just the husband but i would guess that's not the case if i were just putting my casting hat on like you wouldn't yep. Cast him unless unless he's gonna have some sort of significance in the plot. Otherwise, why what's why bother casting him? Yeah. So anyway, so she's his wife is hun. Do you think you might be able to pick up a couple shifts because we're low on money? And he's babe, no, I got this. I'm pursuing my dream of being. I guess he's trying to become a pro golfer in Minnesota, where I don't imagine he gets to practice a lot in the winter. It just seems like a weird place to be a pro. But what do I know? I don't know anything about this. But she's clearly in love with him and is like, okay, sweetie, just go ahead. So then we cut to... Oh, hang on. Now, but before, before, before we move on for that, she's yeah. not just only in love with him. I think she's being, like, controlled by him. Oh. So, you know, like, you know, that came across as, like, coercive control to me. She was... They got, like, the bills. She's opening up all these bills and they're past due. She goes down into his man cave where he's just purchased this, no doubt, very expensive golf simulator where he yeah. can practice because Minnesota's full of snow. But you look around the rest of the room and she's, oh, can you, can you, yeah, can you pick up a few shifts at the bar? But the red apple, she said the red apple, which is interesting because that's the brand of cigarettes that Tarantino, a fictional brand of cigarettes that Tarantino uses in all of his movies. Really? Someone light up a cigarette, it's a red apple. Every movie from Reservoir Dogs on. Anyway. Oh, that's a good one. But the rest of the room, I was fascinated. It was, there was a big drum kit in the corner. There was all these other. There's a drum, the but there's board. a drum kit in the other house though too. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. When the cop goes in to investigate Juno Temple being missing, she goes into the yeah. foyer, and I noticed there was a drum kit there, and I was like, "That's weird. Who in this family plays the drums?" That, yeah, I thought that was would? so weird. And so then that. you just mentioned that, and then I just I'm just clicking on the on the little mm. stills here, and I see that you're right. There is a drum kit also in this rec room 
of he of just the golf he just course. came across to me as a man baby, but a controlling <laughs> one who he's got all these toys. He's pursuing his dream. Come on, honey, you got to pursue. And he came second at Pebble Beach. Now Pebble Beach is a really no. He said Hilton Head, not Pebble Beach. Oh, okay, Hilton Head. All right, uh, I sit corrected. He, so he's had a little taste. He he thinks he's on the bubble, yeah. and he might he can just take one more step. But he's prepared to burn everything down for it. For so he's yeah. quite selfish. He comes across as to me. Yeah, I'm going to bed now. Are you coming? Yeah, in a minute. And then he continues hitting balls. So I thought that was a really telling scene that as tough a cop as she was she's under pressure at home anyway yeah love it love it okay so now we shift back to the kidnappers all right come on this is right out from the original movie oh totally yeah so these two bajagaloop thugs guns for hire whoever they are who've kidnapped juno temple they're driving along in the dark and this is just fantastic just the light work in this is great Mm. but so this very dark it's pitch black outside they're driving whatever their destination is we don't know the one guy is severely burned and feeling all the pain which is just like steve buscemi's character who gets shot in the face or whatever happens (laughs) yeah and the other thug is driving he's just deal with it he's being stoic the Classic Romari. Yeah. And so they're driving and she's in the back seat going, You could get an infection. And what I love about it is that in the original movie, the kidnapped victim was so hapless. She yeah. was just this whiny, screamy, cry, just chicken with her head cut off, a character flapping around, hapless. And Juno is clearly playing that role. She's acting like that's who she is, but in the but she's calculating how the fuck am I gonna get out of this car? She reminds me a bit, Lisa, the way that she's a seemingly, I don't know, what's the word, idiosyncratic or what's the British word for eccentric, right? Yeah. That, that, that she reminds me of the nurse out of series four, that crazy character play. Yeah, there's a bit of a taste of that going on. Perhaps the accent has something to do with it. But, yeah, you're right, the way that the, I don't even know the characters' names, let alone the actors, but the guy who's burned up, he's talking through gritted teeth and it's yeah. almost a replay of Bashimi when he's yeah. in the bar and they're arguing. He's, I got shot in the fucking <laughs> And I say, I'm liking this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're driving along. There's a patrol car that lights up behind them because they've spotted this car. They know it's a stolen vehicle. And so, again, it's this tension like, okay, what's going to happen? Are they going to try to just outrun it? What's going to happen? And so before anything can really happen, she just freaking jumps out of the car and runs. And it's I love this moment where the, the cops have stopped their patrol car and she runs past them she doesn't run to them she doesn't run help me help me she runs past them because she knows you got to get the fuck out of here because these guys are not playing she doesn't feel safe with the cops at all yeah that's not enough and they stop they get out of the car and boom they they get railed by a rain of bullets from the big thug guys. That was tough. Yeah. That was a yeah, tough he, one. He steps out. He says to the guy who was burned up, he said, there's a 38 in the glove box, which is which is obviously a revolver. And he's and so you think, oh, okay, so that guy's this guy's gonna distract the cops. And then he steps out with it's not even a AR-15, it's something even bigger than that. It's like something out of commando or <laughs> out of the predator. It's just this massive military weapon, and he just starts raining bullets takes out one of the cops straight away. And as she ran past, I thought, would it have killed you to just say, get your guns out, they're (laughs) armed. Just a little bit of a heads up would have been nice, but she just ran past with nothing to say. Yeah. 
But there's great build of tension as the mm. big thug with the big gun just stalks up to the cop car with only the flashing lights of the cop car illuminating his face. And you don't know if he's killed both of them, if one of them is still mm. injured. And the two cops, the one you don't even really get to know because he gets blown away right away. But the other cop is played by Lamorne Morris, who people may know from The New Girl. So he's known for being a comic actor. I love when you cast someone who's known for one thing, but they mm, clearly nice have such depth and he's so vulnerable, yet he's trying to be the hero and he's able to run off before the big thug can get him and he runs to this convenience store. They both get there at the same time. Juno temple barefoot hand her hand tied or tied Mm. Yeah. And they both get to this. Now, so here's where the thing is. The cop gets to this convenience store. He's injured. He's shot up. Oh, hey. hey. You got any weaponry back there? Uh, shotgun? Uh, lead pipe? Got an air horn? A what? An air horn? It's like air in a can and you push the button and see so, now i'm gonna twist it yeah <laughs> oh it's okay can you hold it yeah where'd you learn to do all this it's not my first getaway Now, so here's where the thing is. The cop gets to this convenience store. He's injured. He's shot up, but not dead. And he's waiting and looking into the darkness to see when the bad guys are going to come. Why isn't he behind some I sort know. of I, protection? I, I'm like, come on. If you're standing in the light, right? If you're standing on stage and you've got lights in your eyes, you can't see the audience. Exactly. So he, he's staring out into the darkness, but he can't see shit. But he's lit up. It's, are you trying to get shot? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You'd be, so that, you'd be off to the side lying in wait in the dark or you'd be inside the room. Oh, I thought that was just... Yeah, I can understand the tension. Like he's looking into the darkness and yeah, then of yeah, course yeah. you see I the, the see flickering, it. the light of the ammo and then he gets much more severely shot and then crawls mm. into... And it's just this great standoff where the bad guys are on the outside, the victims are on the inside of this convenience store and it's just like a cat and mouse game. As you see her trying to... You don't really know exactly what she's doing. She's got a plan and she's getting a whole bunch of whatever she can scrounge from the convenience store. She gets some ice. She gets this. She gets that. Yeah, and she, no, she gets uh, some oil. No, I, you could, I could see what she was doing. She's trying to create a like a, a hazard that's going to catch them. So she's pouring oil all over the floor. Then yeah. she's got bags of ice and she's waiting to tip them so that they'd be slippery as well. And she's just, she's you see her when she just pulls the oil off the shelf and she's stabbing at it with a, yeah. I don't even know what it was, a knife or a screwdriver or something. And I'm like, she's improvising shit like Jason Bourne. Like, yeah. who is and this the, woman? And the cop is, it's okay, lady, it's going to be fine. And she's, no, it's not going to be fine. And she's like, no. that. even though the convenience store guy has said, oh, there's no back door. She's, yeah, but there's a back window. There's a back yeah. something. So yeah. she's like getting ready to just barricade them and trying to save them. And it's just great. It was just a great sequence of scenes as the, the evil is coming. You don't know which mm. door and which way it's going to enter, but it's coming. And yeah. she's trying to 
barricade herself in and put, as you say, all these all these trip wires everywhere to try to mm. help them. And yeah, and the evil co- does come through the door. The evil comes crashing through the door and it's them against the evil. And things go down. I'm not going to go blow by blow. I think it's it's mm. a great no. sequence of scenes. No, we'll leave that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great sequence of scenes. But again, she has the opportunity to thoroughly dispatch one mm-hmm. of the bad guys and she doesn't she kind it's that classic oh i guess they're knocked out so i'm safe and she steps away come on yeah i, you're I not know that put one in the, do a double tap one in the chest one in the head there's god unless you're giving her a really good reason to have to step away from finishing him off when she's got him mm. in a vulnerable place come on yeah. how do yeah. we as a filmmaker as a screenwriter how can we fix this trope of mm. the dead guy isn't really dead kind of a thing. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, uh, I liked it. As he was stalking, as be- before she whacks him with the hammer and or with the shovel or whatever and knocks him out, he's walking around and for the first time the camera gets a really good look at him and I clocked his haircut and yeah. I'm like, he could be the brother of Anton Chigurh from No oh, Country. Yeah. Old he had now, the same terrible yes, haircut. That's Not the it. same, I'm, but pretty close. I'm so glad you said that because I was looking at his hair going, this is like Little Lord Fauntleroy. What is this? Or Prince Valiant. <laughs> now, I have never seen No Country for Old Men, so please don't spoil. I know that there's a big spoiler ending. Please don't spoil it for me. But yes, I've seen enough of clips of that. That totally get it. Yeah. Elite sense. So needless to say... She saves the day and basically saves this cop from bleeding out from his injuries. And then she disappears into the night, as does the big thug. The other guy gets killed. How does she kill him again? Does she just smack him? Or I forget. He hits his head on the back of the toilet and dies, which was very yeah, satisfying. Yeah, no, one of, yeah, one of her. Yeah, the second killer, not the one that looks like Anton Chigurh, her Home Alone stunt works. And he slips on the ice and the oil and his head yeah. crashes backwards into the toilet bowl and he cracks right. his skull and dies. Right, right, right. And I, I thought it was telling, and again, it's another hint that she, when the cop's like, I'm really bleeding out here, I think we hit an artery, and she comes in and she does a field tourniquet and she says, okay, wind this up. Can you hold that? Okay, just hold it tight. And yeah. it's, it's not her first rodeo. And she says, he said to her, how did you learn this stuff? And she, I have to ask you this because I, I replayed it and it doesn't make sense. I couldn't get the accent. It sounded like she said, not my first rodeo. She oh. says rodeo. I have to go back and listen, but that's usually what's that's yeah, the turn of phrase. Yeah. Not my first rodeo. I, I know that expression, but the word doesn't sound anything like rodeo. But maybe it's just a pronunciation to my. All right, let me play it for myself. Australian mm-hmm. ears, but yeah, she says not my first something, and it's another hint that she's got a bit of a backstory. Uh, and while you're back. looking for that, can I just say that as the sirens are approaching, and she picks up the weapon, and she's walking. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to nominate you. What's your name? I'm going to nominate you for a a bravery award and this, that, and the other. And the thought crossed my mind, would she kill him with that weapon so that he couldn't talk about her and it looked like he was killed by the other guy? I thought she's either going to run or she's going to kill the cop. Yeah. that I was like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) That occurred to me too. That occurred to me too. So she gets back home. Her husband is out of his mind with worry. And she gets back home and she just goes right back to making her pancakes and, and mixing that bisquick like it's, it's going out of style. So I don't know. And, and, and by the way, she denies to her husband that she was ever kidnapped. Right. And it's, it's another one of those surreal moments that we've already seen a few times in, in this particular episode where, and I thought the blocking in that scene was particularly good. Did you notice that she's talking to him or he's talking to her and asking her questions and the serious questions. 
And every time he moves, she moves from the island uh... bench to the other bench. She keeps her back to him because she doesn't want to look at him. He's got to talk to her back for that oh, whole scene until she turns around and says, hey, hun, can you set the table for breakfast? It's important that Scotty gets her the most important meal of the day. <laughs> and I'm like, this, she's just in bonkers mode. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that last scene just bothered me. I can't quite put my finger on what it is that, that we're supposed to, again, to suspend our disbelief. We're supposed yes. to believe that she's just fine and dandy and just everything goes back. But I guess it's fine. But yeah. listen, the 10 scenes were fantastic and worth the price of admission. So I'm tentatively optimistic. I am nowhere near as gaga cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over this as I was for season four by a long <laughs> shot. I was just completely blown away by season four. But I'm willing to go down this road. I just... I'm not feeling some of the things that all of the, I don't know what you would call them, but the, I don't know, the, I'm, I'm losing my words. Yeah, no, I, know, I, I, I get it too. Like the I'm pretension, not, there are certain pretensions or certain, there's certain things that they're setting up that I'm like, I have no interest in this. I, this isn't a human, this is not a human character. Everybody mm -hmm. else in this show seems like a character I can get behind, except for the Jennifer Jason Lee character. And it's, what do I need with this caricature for? I don't need it. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, <clears throat> as we seem to be wrapping up, I'll just mention that I'm going to keep a close eye on the names of the titles yeah. of the episodes. Mr. Inbetween, famously, every episode title, bar one, is the name of the episode is a line from, a dialogue from the episode. Uh -huh. and, and in this one, this one, I'm looking at the title called Tragedy of Commons. And I know of a, con I'm like, there's a concept called the Tragedy of the Commons. And I looked it up because I didn't know what it was, but I'd mm -hmm. heard about it. And it's basically a metaphor in economics, ecology, that should a number of people enjoy unfettered access to a finite resource, they will inevitably fuck it up. Uh -huh. They will overuse it, right? Uh -huh. And they'll, they'll ruin it, which uh -huh. is about where we are now. But I can't work out how that relates to this particular episode. But. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm really glad that you looked that up. I just took it, the tragedy of the commons. It's, oh, these commoners, like this, like from Jennifer Jason Lee's character's point of view, ugh, yeah. this is a tragedy of the commons. It has nothing to do with me. This is what happens in their little lives. These are little Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. my, my wimpy son and my crazy daughter-in-law. So, I, think, so yeah. I found the part of the scene. Let me just see if I can hear. Getaway. Oh, it's not my first getaway. That's what she says. Oh, getaway. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, there I'm you go. Now. Thank you so much for joining me for this special episode. Hopefully we can knock a few more of these out more on the regs now that the strike is yeah. over and I feel like we can have unfettered yes. access to whatever we're watching. I hope you have a great Australian, this is going to be Thursday for you, but it's a, it's American Thanksgiving for us. Is, is, is that tomorrow or today? Yeah, so it's tomorrow is tomorrow. Thursday, it's Thanksgiving. And then traditionally, a lot of people have what, have Friday off as well. A lot of people don't yeah. work on Friday. And it's like a holiday. Like my son had the entire week off. So if this is the kickoff for the holidays, basically. Uh -huh. So I hope you have a wonderful yeah. weekend, well, Dino. I think, is it, I've heard people say that to many people in the US, Thanksgiving's even more important than Christmas. It's well, more emotional. 
It's I about think family for, yeah. and visiting and I think for a together. lot of people it's very dear to their hearts because it's only about family. It's not about spirituality or religious or this or that. Right, right. Or yep. And there's, yep. uh, yeah, there's not the pressure of the presence and who got what. There's pressure on the cooking. It's a celebration yeah, yeah. of eating for sure. But a lot of people have something called a Friendsgiving, which is if you can't get home to see all your, your related family, you'll just have a friends come over or an orphan's Thanksgiving. That's what I used yeah, yeah. to throw when I was mm -hmm. in grad school. And it's just a wonderful coming together that doesn't have all the other bells and whistles and pressures of the other holidays. Yeah. 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 So it's really fun. So anyway. Boy, have a great Thanksgiving. Are you cooking or are you traveling and being cooked for? This year, my mother-in-law has come down from Northern California and she's here to make her fabulous cooking. And I'm more than happy to step aside and have her do all the cooking I have hosted before. But this time I'm just going to. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say, you can be the sommelier. Make sure that she's That's well right. supplied with champagne or wine and she has what she needs and then enjoy. That's right. All right. All right. So good to see you, my friend. And for now, you, you want to take us out? For now, this is Killer Casting signing off. Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. Audio editing by him, Sean at choicevoiceproductions.com. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood Legends, Amphibious Zoo Music. Until next time, Killer Casting, out.